I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile, though. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever you can find it on Google. Red Sox just wrapped up Game 2 of the 2018 World Series with a 4-2 victory over the Los Angeles Dodgers. I am Terry Cushman, and I am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Liz Churchville. How are you guys doing? Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, why wouldn't we be? Uh, Red Sox are up two games to nothing that's better than 2013. I think we were one and one after the second game, and then I think we actually got down. We were down two to one before basically running the table. So, um, looking good as we head out into some warmer LA weather. Yeah, um, this. Smells like, looks like, tastes like we might be the better team, clearly. Um, I, I feel like we could be a little bit better in a couple of areas, but um, even given sales kind of limited start, um, we have been better out of the rotation. The bullpen's been better. Uh, this team is offensively, I just think, top to bottom better. One of the concerns we had in the Astros series was we felt like the Astros were the better lineup. I, I, on the lineup, enough game, timely hitting. Uh, the Fox broadcast has really highlighted the two-out hitting, which, you know, if you're going to get hits with two outs, especially with men on base or in scoring position, you know, you're going to win ball games. So, um, you know, I guess just as my leadoff point, it just seems like, um, we're the clearly better team. Yeah, it's hard to, uh, you know, to look at it any other way. You know, we're coming through in, in key spots and showing up, and I think we're making better uh, contact with the baseball bat, getting on base, and Chris Sale grinded, you know, through his start, kept us in the game. David Price... Looked almost as good as he did in Houston, but uh, still highly effective, especially in uh, all but the fourth inning when things got a little dicey. But, um, 
But well, I'd like to I'd like to comment too on that price start, especially given the fourth inning. But I was uh, wanting to hear maybe Liz's opening thoughts. Uh, my main thought, like the the fourth with Price, really was concerning to me. I was like, oh god, here we go. You know what what's going to happen now? But then when he came back in in uh, in the fifth and just just took care of it, pulled himself together. You know, he, he wasn't emotional, you know, he didn't let the fourth get to him. You know, after that, I was, I was really, really pleased with that. And then for me, the main thing I keep thinking is how it seems like my biggest concern and why I didn't think the Red Sox were going to get this far. Or one of the main reasons is that bullpen and the bullpen is really showing up like uh, for, for whatever weaknesses, you know, I felt like they had and and that they were going to lose in big spots. They're definitely coming in and getting the job done, and and I, I don't think we could ask for anything more, really, at this point. Hey, Liz, I know you're a, a Rays fan. Um, could you just clue me in, and maybe if I apologize if you've already kind of declared your allegiances, but who are you rooting <laughs> for in the series? Oh, man, my, my bracket got totally exploded, let me tell you. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, I really thought the Brewers were going. Uh, just, just watching them play, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like they wanted it more, but then they, they really just kind of fell apart, you know, there at the end. And, uh, and I was very sad that it's two big market teams. I really wanted, you know, someone that wasn't a big market team to go, but, um, but I was thinking it was going to be Astros Brewers. And uh, boy, was I wrong. Let me tell you. But uh, the Red Sox are showing up and. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, particularly with, with the whole thing with the Astros cheating and all that, like that really started to put a bad taste in my mouth for them. And, uh, and I was glad that, you know, that the Red Sox ended up coming out of that series winners, you know, cause it, even if, you know, they, the Astros would have, would have come out on top on that. It just, it, it, it just wouldn't have felt right. You know, it just wouldn't have felt right to me, but, um, all right, so yeah. who do you, well, first of all, one, some would say cheating, others, me, would say gamesmanship, but who do you, uh, who are you rooting for, <laughs> who are you rooting for in this particular series, if you don't mind me making uh, you make a choice? Uh, AKA putting her on the spot. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to pick the Red Sox, I really would. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I mean, it's nice. It's it's weird because obviously their uh, their arrival, the Rays. You know, they they can't not be. But um, but I mean, it's weird. My husband always says, you know, if your team isn't winning, you know, in the playoffs or whatever, then you always want to root for your division, which sounds weird. But in a way, it makes your team look a little bit stronger in that way, you know, because you you played them so many games uh, and everything. So I'm kind of gonna run with that. Plus, I don't know. I've just never really liked the Dodgers. I don't know what it is about them as a team. Uh, the only thing I ever liked about them was Vin Scully. And uh, now that he's gone, I have absolutely no reason, you know, to like them at all. And, uh, yeah, they're just not a likable team for me. <laughs> well, your, your husband is a better man than I because when my team loses, all I want to see is the world burn. So, um <laughs> You know, God bless his his take there because I uh, I just I disagree. I'm I'm just such a child when my team loses. Um, so you touched on a couple things before I kind of put you on the spot with your allegiances, and um, I do appreciate that. And I I think 
the way you're rooting for the games, I mean, not that it, my opinion matters. It makes sense to me. Um, I know you're from a small market town in Tampa, and uh, I, I would, it would make sense that you would root for other small markets, especially Milwaukee, and admittedly, it's a really... That roster um, is very, very likable, maybe except for the people that are hung up on bronze issues with PEDs. So it makes complete sense to me. Um, and if I, if I put you on the spot, I apologize. Not my, not my intention, um, but I just wanted to know where we were going into this thing. Uh, you, you did touch on a couple things that I would like to kind of piggyback on because I feel like you made pretty good points there. Uh, the first was price. Um, and you touched on the effect of the fourth actually having little effect as far as he pitched an additional two innings and it really gave the Sox a chance to win. Um, I've come out strong to quite strong on how I feel about David Price. Um, I think I've gone so far as to make fun of his dog Astro, which makes me not look so great today. Um, but for all the times I've called him um, a bitch, uh, he was the opposite of that today. I thought he really was, um, he was a gamer. Um, you know, for all of his failures, he came out, he was aggressive in the strike zone, got ahead of hitters. When he didn't, he pitched aggressively back into the strike zone and got outs while behind in the count. And then when the fourth came around and he, and there was adverse adversity and, and, you know, he gave up the lead. It's like, okay, here's David Price. Like, he's not going to leave this game without giving up, like, a, a, a three-run home run and just completely putting us out of this game. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite happened. He found a way to get out of that with minimal damage. And then he pitched two really quick innings to the point where I was actually, um, and I think I tweeted this, I wanted him out in the seventh. I thought he was really, really good. Obviously, Cora had the complete pulse of the game and was was 100% right per huge uh on his bullpen moves so but i give price all the credit in the world for rebounding from that fourth inning um they got the lead he came out got quick outs again like just all the credit in the world um i i like i said i've come out really strong and and if you listen to i think it was like episode 90 or 87 or something like that after game two of the lds i really hammered him and um while I don't necessarily backtrack on those comments, I feel like he has significantly turned the corner um, to the extent where if he has to pitch again in the series, and I don't think he will have to pitch again in the series, but if he does, I'm going to expect a similar outing here. Um, and then the other thing you, you, uh, you touched on just briefly, if I recall, was the effect of the bullpen. Um, coming into this playoffs, I, Terry and I talked about the 25 man roster and like even the fact that Kelly may might not be on it. He's been on it and he has been a hundred percent difference maker in a positive direction. Like I am completely blown away um, by not only the, the fact that he's pitching, he's pitching meaningful innings, high leverage situations, and he is absolutely fucking dominating. Um, tonight was just so impressive. He, he pitched with pace um, he was almost kind of like dancing up there. Like he dropped in a curveball and like he was already backpedaling to the rubber, getting the throw from the catcher, just ready to go. And, um, that was, uh, I mean, at this point again, I'm, I'm reversing course where not now I'm not surprised by the 
the performance, but I'm almost expecting it moving forward. And then this whole Rover thing with Evaldi tonight, I mean, it it almost looks core. Like, he's playing... I, he's playing a different game. Like, for whatever reason, he is using this roster to the absolute max where he doesn't have to use people he doesn't trust because he's now developed this quote-unquote rover, you know, bullpen position. And then again, uh, Terry's come out uh, strong to quite strong against Kimbrell. I haven't necessarily disagreed, but he's been lights out. So it's been unbelievable. Again, it feels like this seems like it might be the Red Sox year. You, you, I mean, they 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 always say. I mean, everything's different in the playoffs, and they, and they're proving that. They're proving that. Uh, I wanted to mention just while you were saying, uh, while you mentioned uh, Vasquez, something really interesting. And, and admittedly, like I haven't until recently been paying super attention like to the Red Sox. So excuse me if he does this all the time. But something really cool I noticed when he was catching Price. Anyway, I didn't so much notice it with the uh, with the uh, any of the bullpen, but. Um, he would set himself up a little bit on the outside, and then right before Price would throw, he would jump into the inside with, uh, with I think, right-handed batters. I, I can't even remember, but it was so neat just to see him manipulate, you know, the strike zone that way or manipulate the ball or, or whatever. I don't know. It was just – I've never seen a catcher, like – I've seen them lean. I've seen them do things, but he would, he would set himself up on the outside and then just take a little – just hop – just hop over – and just catch a ball, and it would always be it would always be a strike. I think and that's, nobody'd even because it looked so inside, but get it right on the inside of the, uh, right on the inside of the strike zone. It was pretty awesome. I think that helps combat the sign stealing. You know, it, it kind of throws them off a little bit, and and you know, it's just one of the one of the ways they're trying to work around that. With the bullpen thing, though, and it's obviously, as you guys have pointed out uh, now in the opening segment, that um, it's like night and day. In, in September, it was nothing but implosion after implosion. And every day there was a different guy that we didn't think would make the roster, Kelly included. And then Hembry, of course, didn't, but then was added. And, I mean... I, we haven't seen him since, I think, the Yankee series. And I think one of the things that is helping, though, is this new roving concept. I think I think all these guys, Kelly, Brazier, Kimbrell is performing better because I think he, he may have very well been tipping his pitches, but they're all a little bit more relaxed. And I think having porcello and evaldi out in the bullpen kind of hanging out with these guys and these guys knowing that those guys are going to come in for at least an inning just kind of has a bit of a calming effect and has allowed them to kind of lock in and every single one of them has stepped up i was looking at the box scores i don't think the bullpen at all has uh, given up a single run so far in the first two games and if I remember right the only reliever who gave up a run at all in the Yankee series was uh, Craig Kimbrell so it's just been really impressive to watch and you know it started a few years ago with Francona you know going to Miller and getting all the way to game seven of the World Series with a three-man rotation and that was kind of the catalyst, and it's kind of evolved since then. And now, 
you know, like you said, Jeremy, Alex Cora is basically making his own, uh, you know, imprints on on how to manipulate a bullpen throughout a series. So really impressive. Well, Terry, um, you know how much I love to disagree with you. <laughs> you agree with everything it, I say. It, 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 honestly, it honestly, like makes my day when you when i can just completely disagree with you and, and we can get into it I, I can't disagree with anything you say there uh partially because it feels like at some points you were you were agreeing with me so this is odd we're off to an odd start liz <laughs> i don't know if it's your presence or what but this is awkward uh i would like to get in i would like to get it to something liz said um because one thing Terry and I have disagreed with uh, at one point relatively aggressively is the catcher position. Liz, I completely agree with you. I think Vasquez is by far and away the better option uh, behind the plate. Um, he had another hit tonight um, to right field. Um, I, and I don't have the box score immediately in front of me, which I should probably have, but I think he also drew a walk or maybe a second hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think outside of sales, Binky, Leon, uh, and that whole, like, I have to have Leon or I'm not comfortable nonsense, which, again, Terry is probably rolling his eyes so hard he may have passed out by now. But I think that, yeah, I think Vasquez is just by far and away the better option for this ball club. I, I, I do like how active he is behind the plate. And, and to agree with Terry, unfortunately, it is obviously to combat either – real or perceived the concern that there are signs being stolen in this series. Uh, you're going to see the glove tapping the dirt, but the fastball above yeah. the belt, you're going to see the sign and then the crouch come up, but then the pitch being the dirt. And you're going to see a lot of that. I've always thought Vasquez is a little bit more um, active in that kind of sense. Um, I do think he has, you know, better feet um, and he's obviously the better option offensively. Uh, with all that said, I don't think the catcher position um, really is going to have a big role in this. Uh, you know, I thought it may have had a big role in past series. At this point, like, I'll be damned with all the, you know, position-by-position position analysis. Again, I just kind of harken back to the fact that it just feels like the, the Red Sox are just better across the board. And even factoring the fact that it just feels like their year, even though they may be weaker in some spots other than others, but... It just seems like every time you worry about the bullpen, the bullpen performs you. Every time you think, oh, they're just not hitting, they hit. Um, you know, they're having problems with the starting pitching. David Price now reverts back to an ace. Uh, he's pitching. I mean, I mean, who would have predicted this three starts ago? This is just crazy. Um, and now they go back to L.A. and they haven't lost on the road in the playoffs. So, like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not necessarily concerned that they can't take two or three in L.A., and I think the offense may actually heat up out there in the warm weather. I mean, it's this is crazy. It's it almost feels, and this could come back to bite me in the ass. This comment, if it goes the wrong way, it almost feels too. It shouldn't be this easy. Go ahead. Yeah, that's Liz. a strong comment. No, I was just gonna say that's a strong comment. I, I but I want to touch back on the catcher situation. I mean, like I said, I haven't been paying, you know, that close attention, not near as close attention as you guys have, you know, over the extended period of time that, that you have been as, you know, fans of, of the team itself, obviously. So I look forward to, to doing that more uh, next year. But, um, 
but I mean, I feel like the catcher is really important. And as much as I know, no one likes, you know, a a pitcher to favor one catcher over the other. If the pitcher doesn't trust the catcher's decision-making it, you don't want to see a pitcher up on the mound shaking off everything that a catcher suggests. You know, if there's no trust in, you know, in that, then, uh, then it's really rough, you know, for them. And I'll, I'll never forget. I don't even know what happened to Mark Burley, but I remember hearing Mark Burley when he was like at his, peak like with the Blue Jays at some point and uh Deanna Navarro x-ray was uh his catcher and he's like hey you know I send him to the meetings I don't go to the meetings you know he listens to everything he tells me what to pitch I put it where it needs to be that's where it is and so uh even though offensively I mean uh, the catcher is notoriously aside from the pitcher in the National League you know the the worst hitter you know a lot of times in a lineup I feel like that that trust is important, and if a pitcher feels like they trust one catcher over another for whatever that reason is, then uh, then so be it. It's like uh, when Price was with was with the Rays, the main catcher that we had, and he was horrible. Like he hit under under a hundred, you know, every single year was uh, Jose Molina. He was the worst, but he called a good game, and I really feel like he helped develop a lot of pitchers. Uh, even though he did nothing for us offensively, you know everything he did for the for the pitching staff and uh, and everything made made up for that. But um, but I mean, it, it, there's there's merit in a in a pitcher, you know, feeling that way about every you know catcher on the staff. But um, uh, I don't know, I don't know how how you how you change that. But but I feel like you know if a if a pitcher is gonna do better with one versus the other, then the team needs to go with that as much as much as possible, as much as they can. I'm basically at the point where I mean I'm fine with Vasquez in there. I mean he had the base hit to you know spark that three run inning, which ultimately won us mm-hmm. the game. But I'm still as far as a game caller situation I'm I'm always gonna like Leon Moore and I I they're gonna have a bit of a conundrum in the offseason where what do they do I mean we can't carry three catchers forever I mean Blake Swihart is an everyday player on most rosters even if it's not as a catcher so I hate to see him waste away and the one thing that would make me nervous is if they did get rid of Leon really from, you know, if they DFA'd him or whatever, because I do think he makes Vasquez better. Vasquez has always lost his job because of, you know, he just wasn't performing. You know, he was he was terrible at the plate, I think, at the start of last year. Leon got a lot of catching time, and I think Leon was basically Sale and Porcello starting catcher this year. Vasquez wasn't lining up well with David Price, so they had Leon catch him for a while. Price had this epic turnaround, and and I would just feel a lot better if if both catchers were retained, even if Vasquez took the bulk of the starting time, because I just feel like he just goes into these, go, Vasquez goes into these slumps and just doesn't, you know, things just don't go well, whether it's game calling or his offense or whatever. And and then they go to the next option, which has always been Leon. So um, I expect Vasquez to um, probably, I mean, I guess, I mean, uh, unless we get to game five and, and Sale starts another one, 
I would imagine uh, that that would probably be the only game Leon does start. And Vasquez, by far, even with Leon getting two hits the other night, or last night, rather, um, Vasquez, obviously, the much better uh, offensive option. So um, that's what I kind of, you know, envision going forward. And hopefully they find a role for Swihart. That way, it, you know, Leon can at least be the backup, you know, and catch two out of every five, one out of every five. And, um, you know, maybe Swihart is more of a utility type player. Yeah, the points just just quickly, and then let's move on from the catcher situation. The point's not lost on me that he's had the arm injury, where he actually missed a full season, and then this year with the hand injury, where he has actually not only slumped, but he's been out of the lineup because of injury issues. So I don't have a problem with Leon, and I and I think I've made that pretty clear. I just feel like Vasquez is the better option, and I've come out pretty strong about the whole like personal catcher situation. For me, it just sets up a failure. Uh, or an excuse for a pitcher who doesn't have that particular catcher available to him, whether it's because of, you know, slump, injury, there's no longer a fit on the roster or whatever. It just seems like it just it, it builds in an excuse. Um, but look, I mean, I, I think we all agree that Vasquez has been really, really good on, you know, um, the hit and the run tonight. Um, you know, this this the. There's been a, a bunch of uh, situations that we have talked about that have kind of come to a head here. Um, you know, Liz, I, I don't know if you how much you've listened to the podcast in the last like ten days or so, but we've both felt pretty strongly, as I think most of Red Sox Nation does, that Rafi Devers really has to be the starting third baseman, um, and he has been, and he's he didn't get a hit tonight. But he's making the plays. He's not hurting anyone defensively. He had a couple last night. Um, and then, obviously, it creates the flexibility where Nunez comes off the bench yesterday and hits the three-run home run to put the game away. Um, I, I, another situation where we've gone back and forth on is the Ian Kinsler second base versus Brock Holt. I'm surprised we haven't seen Holt yet. Um, Kinsler, obviously, with the hit to score the first run and give us that all important, you know, first run where we're like 73 and 12 when that happens. Uh, so that's been interesting. Um, but I think it also goes forward just to highlight that core has been, you know, we can criticize him, we can question him, but at the end of all these games, it's crazy how it just seems like he's always right. <laughs> he is. That's why. I mean, I rolled my eyes last night when Nunez came off because Devers was having such a great game. I'm like, geez, you know, why the hell would you pull him out? And then, bam, you know, three-run shot. Kind of like Victorino, you know, in 2013. And um, he was right about that. And, I mean, you know, we weren't... Jeremy and I were talking before we come on, and you know, I think I think JD right now is the front runner for MVP, but that could change over the next two or three games. Obviously, Ben Benintendi, obviously, good candidate, was four out of five uh, last night. I don't have uh, his stuff up in front of me here, um, but you know, he definitely had a good game defensively tonight, though. You know, with that one catch out by the monster. But um, he, he was 0 for 3 tonight with a walk, though, uh, Ben Attendee. But, um, 
the the guys you expected to have the big impacts this whole postseason outside of JD really haven't. Mookie's been good and you know, in less impactful ways. You know, he's gotten on base, he scored some runs, Benintendi the same way, but Nunez last night, JD tonight, uh, you know, Bradley a couple of times in the series before. It's just everybody is stepping up. Who hasn't stepped up so far and made a huge Kinsler drove in the first run tonight. Are you talking about the playoffs generally or the World Series? Generally the playoffs. Like, it's just been a different hero every night, it seems like. And and it's not usually – it's usually a guy that Cora, a decision he makes, which often gets overlooked, and and it comes up big, I guess, was the point I was making. I mean, it's a good point. Um, You know, Betts has had his moments. Benintendi, obviously, Pierce – um, has had to step into an increased role because of the Moreland injury, but then Moreland pinch hits, and in that Astro series before he started Game Five, he was one and one, or one for one with two walks and an RBI. JD's had his moments, including the the big three run home run against the Yankees to get the whole thing started. Bogey's Bogey's not been great, but he's had a he had the the home run in the Yankee series. Devers, obviously, at the home run against the Astros to put it away. Kinsler tonight chips in despite where he's been absolutely atrocious in certain situations. Bradley Jr. was the ALCS MVP. And then you get all the way to the catcher position. And Leon has not contributed offensively even a little bit except for a sack bunt, which, you know, kind of comically drove Hat from that start. Vasquez, on the other hand, has been a plus offensively. Um, He's had a number of hits. Um, and it's you're right. I mean, it's it's an absolute uh, it's absolutely amazing how it feels like not all at once, but at various times, uh, the whole lineup has contributed, and there really hasn't been a position where you know where we've said you know there's an automatic out. And and one of the things we highlighted before this uh, in our playoff preview was we express grave concerns over the bottom half of the lineup's ability to produce almost anything. Uh, not not only necessarily producing, but just flipping it over to Mookie with people on base. And they've done that. They've uh, Kinsler, eight, Bra- uh, I'm sorry, Kinsler, seven, Bradley, eight, and Vasquez, nine. Everyone had a hit. Everyone was one for three. Um, so, I mean, you can say what you want, but... Um, Again, this team has just seemingly found a way all across the board. Uh, it's been a different way almost every game, but, you know, they found a way. And, it, it, again, I know uh, Liz uh, says I've come out pretty strong with this, but it feels like uh, like it's their year. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead, Liz. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I just can't, I, I really keep thinking back to how I felt at the beginning of the playoffs and that everything was just going to to fall apart, like, that this this epic season that the Sox had, you know, was all going to be for naught, you know, and they were going to get, uh, you know, beat, you know, uh, I thought they were going to get beat by the Yankees, and then I'm like, well, there, there goes that, and then, of course, they come in you know, beat the Astros, beat the world champs and then come in and then they're, they're doing what they're doing to the Dodgers. And, um, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be like an epic end. I think they're going to come into LA and, um, and just like, and just like you were saying, you know, with the, with the warm weather, um, in fact, 
uh, they were saying, I forget even who it was, but they were saying definitely the home field advantage for them, you know, not only being used to that type of atmosphere and the way the fans are and everything, which surprisingly, I could hear Dodger fans chanting. I couldn't believe there was enough Dodger fans in Boston, uh, you know, to uh, to actually hear them, you know, above the, the Red Sox fans. But um, but just the weather, you know, the Dodgers aren't used to playing in that cold and, you know, just that little bit of difference uh, can make a difference. And then, of course, coming into warmer weather, you can only play you can only play well. So I think they're going to come in there and uh, and probably win it over there. I, I don't think there's really any question of that. I don't think they'll be back in Boston. But uh, how would you guys feel about Price coming in out of the bullpen? Speaking of the uh, roving roving bullpen situation do you think that would be something Cora would do you know if it if it came down to it you know if it would look like he's not going to make another start or it could happen in game four or five but the one thing that I keep telling myself is you know this this Dodgers team they're a bigger home run threat than the Astros were but they're not as good of a contact hitting team and I look back to that Brewer series and Miley had that five innings where he shut him down. Chassin did it at least once, just completely shut them down. And obviously, Sale and Price are, you know, are aces and and much better pitchers than those two. But when I do look at Miley and Chassin, I'm like, even Evaldi and Porcello could conceivably, you know, string together a strong five, six. And if we're really lucky, seven innings. So I think there's a good chance we win two out of three out in L.A. Yeah, I agree. Um, Liz, I I 100% think that we'll see price in relief um, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, Cora finally, uh, after using the role in the first two series, come out and get, came out and gave it a name. Um, it made it tangible. It made it something that the media finally kind of put some importance on. And then not only that, like he had price up in the ALCS in two separate games. Um, and he was really hot and ready to go. And I think it was game four. There was, that wasn't faking it. Like he had plans to bring Cora, uh, Cora had plans to bring price in there. So, um, my my answer to your question, which I think is a pretty good question and a pretty good topic, is absolutely 100%. I think we see Price, especially if it's a closeout game. I think they that they're going to rather see Price than anyone outside of Brazier, Barnes, Kelly, and Kimbrell. So if you feel like, you know, let's say they have a lead and Porcello can only go or Evaldi can only go four, I wouldn't be surprised to see Price either in the fifth or the eighth to bridge the gap one way or the other to Kimbrell or the guys he trusts. So uh, good question, and the answer to me clearly is yes. Um, so, you know, uh, but at the same time, I will say I'm kind of shocked that we're not commenting a little bit more about the turnaround with Price. Um, I mentioned it in my open, or actually not quite my open, but I think it was my second comment. Um, it's it's one of those things where it seems like Red Sox Nation is going to forget about the struggles really quickly because all, all of a sudden he's been dominant. Um, and uh, I listened to some of his comments, and for the first time he said um, 
tonight, right on the field, he said to the female um, anchor, she asked, what has changed the most? And the answer shocked the living shit out of me. The answer was me. He took accountability for the first time, at least in his tenure as a Red Sox. And Liz, obviously, he grew up in the Rays organization, so you probably know him better than us. But I honestly wanted to, like, stand up and in my room by myself, like, clap, like, holy <laughs> shit. He's, he gets it. He figured it out. It's it's like in Top Gun when Maverick finally figures out that he has the talent to do it. It's like, oh, my God, he, he fucking gets it. And, um, you know, the crazy thing moving forward is if this is truly behind him, all of a sudden, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and it's only two starts, so I'm going to say it with some reserve. But if he's going to be this version of David Price in the playoffs – all of a sudden, that contract doesn't look like such a piece of shit. Like we're about, I think we're about to win a World Series. Knock on wood, with David Price as a contributing factor. He's embracing the fact that it was him. He has turned the narrative on its on its head and pitched not only like good or average, but great. And all of a sudden, like you know, and I'm interested to see what Terry says here. But all of a sudden, like, David Price gives Red Sox Nation hope. Like, I almost am like, please don't opt out. And I, two weeks ago, like, I think I, I think my quote was, I would start the GoFundMe page if someone would, would agree <laughs> to take half of his salary. So all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. let me backtrack off that and say, and look, if we're going to get this iteration of David Price in the playoffs, this guy's a, um, could be not only in uh, – because it's already happening now, but I'm talking in the future. Like, this is a guy we want on the Red Sox. Yeah, and I don't want to open up a can of worms, but there is no pitcher on the free agent market this offseason like David Price. So I feel like he's – I still lean – a slight majority of me still believes he's not going to opt out, but it, it is increasing, you know, with each start and each win – and um, so I don't think he's going to opt out. Well, you know what's increasing? My desire that he doesn't. No, I, yeah, I get that. Crazy. I get two that. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I mean, I, I'm not kidding you. I would, I would have, um, I would have rickshawed David Price <laughs> to Logan Airport from my home in Boca Raton. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Liz, I'm not even joking. Like, obviously, that's hyperbole to some extent. But if someone was like, he, he doesn't have to be a Red Sox for the next four years, but you have to rickshaw David Price to Logan Airport from your home in Boca Raton, I'd be like, can someone just make sure the rickshaw is going to make it all like 1,700 miles? Like, I would have done it. He, he's not. But now I'm like, now 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 my mindset is, well, hold on a minute. He was really good, um, 2.25 ERA in the second half after the All-Star break. And he's flipped the narrative in the on the whole playoff thing. I mean, to the to the extent where he's he's been better than Sale, maybe maybe better than everyone not named Nathan Avaldi out of that rotation. It's it's just it, it's an astonishing turnaround given how bad he was as a as a career playoff performer. He's not kidding though, yeah. Liz. Before the Yankee series, he was like he was drinking the punch hard, and I, I'm pretty sure it had vodka in it. And and then he he gives up that dud start, comes out after an inning and uh two-thirds, and then Jeremy's, like, barfing up the punch on the next 
podcast. Well, first of all, <laughs> I got... I got sick off vodka a senior in high school at Mercy Warren's house, and I haven't drank it since, so that's not possible. It is gross. But, but... that said, Liz, so credit to me for being honest with myself here. Yeah. I was optimistic. I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. I was optimistic because Sale, Sale won that first game of the ALDS, and in my mindset, the the pressure was off of David Price, and I felt like he was put in a position where he could he could – not necessarily worry about the result, just worry about the process. And he came out and laid an absolute fucking egg. And I was so I was so pissed because well, I'm not by any means, even before that point, like a David Price lover. Like I was at least at the at like at the very minimum, I was like neutral on David Price, definitely leaning towards like this guy just sucks in the big moments. And I bought into that start. And it was a Saturday night, and admittedly, I may have had a, a couple of cocktails or two. And I was just so upset that I bought into it that I just I eviscerated him for 58 minutes. Eviscerated. I've listened to the podcast. I encourage anyone to go back because we all were kind of comically upset. No one worse than me, obviously. But, I mean, look, it highlights the fact that despite how bad that start was, and despite the fact that the the narrative was typically for him to turtle in those moments, and then the not only turtle but just to continue rolling downhill, he stood up and he delivered in really big moments. And he is a very big part of the re- <laughs> we're two wins away, and he's a huge part of it. Go ahead, yeah, Liz. I mean, it seems like he 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 finally got out of his own way, like somehow. And it'd be really interesting to know exactly how how that happened. Uh, and what what he did, you know, between that, uh, you know, the uh, the start with the Yankees and then and then the the big one he had with the Astros, like like what exactly went down with David Price? And uh, I mean, I'd like to think it was just some kind of cathartic thing where maybe he like meditated and just realized that he can just go out there and do the Ty Cobb thing and just be the ball and just you know shut everything out and everything's cool and you know him be the david price i i feel like he he can be but uh but maybe maybe it's something else it'll be interesting if something comes out you know later you know to see how he was able to pull it together the way that he was but um what i want to know is if terry's gonna hold up his end of the bargain and not say anything negative next year (laughs) i was just gonna i I was literally just looking at that tweet right now um I, uh, I'd, like, I said, I, I'd like to chime in here and be a spoiler. I uh, said this morning. Terry will be negative next year. Well, <laughs> well no, no. The, hang on. I'm fine. I can do whatever I want next year. What the tweet said was, uh, I'm trying to pull it up now. I thought I retweeted it. Oh, here, here it goes. I said, just to prove that I'm a reasonable man, if Price records a win tonight, which I strategically said because the the Red Sox could have won even without Price getting a win and that would void the whole mm-hmm. deal. But if Price mm-hmm. records a win tonight, I will not post a single negative tweet about him until next season. And I put tweet in all caps. Uh, so that uh, that reserves the right for me to bash him as much as I want to on here. Not saying I'm going to, but um I'm and just, also, the minute the season starts next year, he can open up the floodgates again. Oh, exactly. So, I, carefully crafted, and uh, I'm kind of a little bit impressed, actually, by the way that was crafted, if you're assuming you're reading it accurately here. 
Yeah, yeah, I was. I was real careful about uh, everything. But that being said, because everybody, you know, comes to my account to see if I'm going to bash him or not. You know, they're usually the price huggers do. And um, I, I'm not going to, I'm done with it, you know. And the reason why I said that today is because I felt like if we were going to win tonight, we're probably going to win the series. I mean, he could he could start game six and get knocked around a little bit and we could still win the world series anyway so um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bash him for the sake of doing it anyway regardless of what i have said throughout the course of the day uh he's pitched well he's been basically the best starter other than as jeremy said outside of evaldi um and you know, I mean, he's we 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 wouldn't be where we are right now without those performances. So uh, I'll give him that much credit. I'm never going to be a David Price guy. If he opts out, I will probably celebrate. Um, I'll never wear his jersey unless I lose a bet, and um, that's just where I am. I'm just never going to be a Price guy. I'm I'm surprised you're I, like the jersey thing. I don't care about because frankly, I only buy jerseys of of historically great players. So like David Ortiz and some of the other, like, you know, quote unquote lifers. Um, but, but I'm surprised you're still standing firm on, you're never going to be a price guy. Cause he has been and my, and, and I'm, I'm just generally not as negative or pessimistic as you, Terry. Um, but I'm definitely, I have not historically been a price guy. Um, and I think you know that. Um, and I'm not going to become a price guy. But I'm also, it's going to be hard for me to con- kind of continue the anti-price narrative because he's been as good as he's been. I mean, you know, I've got to come, I think admittedly, and Terry, maybe you disagree with this, or, or I think you do disagree with this based on your comment. I have to come back towards the middle here. Uh, you know, the Homer Simpson meme where he kind of disappears into the bush, like, two dominant starts um i thought he was really really good and tonight was a real big test because one of the things uh, terry and i talked about three podcasts ago was if he gives up two earned runs can he come back from it and we both resoundingly said not a not a fucking chance in hell and guess what tonight he did it and not only did he get out of the inning then he pitched two more really really solid quick innings um and, and left Cora in a position where he could use the guys he really wanted to use. You know, one of the things I would like to note is he went Kelly, Avoldi, Kimbrell, did not pitch Brazier, did not pitch Barnes tonight. Surprising. Um, you know, well, really surprised. And no, actually, there's a, there is a reason for that. Um, Dave Roberts has started um, mostly, I think for the second night in a row, he started an all right-handed lineup until the lefty starter came out. And then he puts in then he puts in his power lefties, Bellinger, um, Max Muncy. And that kind of screws with Brazier, Barnes, and uh, not so much Kelly as we found out. But... Um, but I think he just preferred he just preferred Evaldi in that spot and uh, Kelly obviously dominant and it doesn't seem to matter so much with Kimbrel but the other guys can't for some reason throw their off speed stuff uh, against the lefties as good as we have found out and when Liz you brought up whether or not we'll see David Price or not as a reliever 
you'll probably see him for that exact reason. If if Roberts is going to sit his lefties again, um, especially in Game Five, assuming Sale starts that, that's exactly what Cora is going to do to counteract that. So um, in- the split, Terry, the splits are better with Kelly and, over Brazier and Barnes, and like I have no issue with Evaldi because. We've talked about this. He's an elite strike thrower, and I just honestly get the – it makes me smile when a reliever comes in and you know he's going to throw strikes, and Evaldi is that guy. So I don't have any issue with Evaldi, uh, zero. And I love this whole rover thing. I think it just it just shows um, how progressive Cora is. But I'm just surprised with Kelly because he's he's been basically a total piece of shit all year. He, he has not been a strike thrower. In, in fact, he's probably been like a, 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 a complete negative, like D minus strike thrower. So, and, and Brazier and Barnes had been so good and had been used so reliably all playoffs. I just, you know, I was surprised that, that, that they kind of changed that whole situation. If you were going to go Evaldi in the eighth, which I, again, don't have a problem with, I'm just surprised it wasn't Brazier or Barnes over Kelly in the seventh. Yeah. Are you guys are you guys concerned at all about them using Avaldi in both games and then, you know, him I mean, I know it was just one inning uh each game, so I mean that's not a lot of work or anything like that, but as far as him coming in and being a starter in game four, is that any do you have any concern about that or I'm not at all because I mean I think he could start game three really. I mean we have an off day. I think he pitched fifteen, sixteen pitches last night. Tonight must have been similar or maybe even less. I don't think thirteen. A thirteen. So I just I don't think that's really gonna bother him that much because they usually throw a side session anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I think two days before their start. So um, I kind of like Porcello anyway, you know, against a lineup like this. That's like an all-or-nothing type lineup. And I'm sure Evaldi, you know, if Porcello gets the win tomorrow, I think Evaldi is going to have an excellent shot anyway to, to clinch it like Lackey did uh, five years ago. And, um, and and I'm also wondering how much tenacity is this is this Dodgers lineup going to have if they do go down three to nothing? Because the Astros definitely didn't. Like the only guy who showed up for that game was Verlander, uh, you know, in the Astros series. So, so Liz, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're trying to take Terry's position as the host <laughs> of the podcast because this is another really good question. Oh no! Um, and you know how much I love to disagree and hate on Terry. So I'm all in on Liz as the host. Great question, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and I think the answer is twofold. One, again, Avoldi is an elite strike thrower. Like, no one can doubt that. And he showed it not only as a starter, but in, in his relief appearances this postseason. Tonight, 13 pitches, nine strikes. An elite. He is an elite strike thrower. And what's crazy is he's an elite strike thrower with an absolute plus-plus fastball that, again, hit 100 miles per hour tonight. I think the situation with Evaldi is um, he's only going to be expected to pitch game four, and maybe they're not going to ask for six or seven innings. Maybe they'll only ask for four because of the desire to throw him in relief, which I don't have a problem with because then that maybe leaves him available. He won't pitch game three, and he he may not pitch uh, game five, but he's going to be available in game six and game seven out of the bullpen. And with his ability to come in and throw strikes, I think that just makes this thing 
completely uh, he's he becomes so versatile in that role and I actually disagreed with that coming into the preview and I and I'm gonna go ahead and acknowledge I'm wrong so credit to me for doing that <laughs> um, because I actually had a volley in game three and Porcello in game seven and Terry had it the other way and again I can't believe I'm about to say this but <laughs> I think Terry had it right just because Avaldi is um, well, Porcello won. I think he, I, I think to some extent, Cora trusts Porcello a little bit more, even though maybe I don't. But Avaldi has shown that he is lights out, absolute lights out uh, in that role. So um, you're never gonna you're never gonna see a second start out of Avaldi, and so maybe they don't mind giving him three or four relief appearances. And, I mean, Cora's just such a high baseball IQ guy. There might be some type of analytics that suggests that Evaldi's the better reliever out of the pen for whatever reason. Uh, I fully expected Porcello to make an appearance as a rover in the first two games, and, and it hasn't happened. And and maybe maybe Evaldi was going to start game three. Who knows? And, and it just because of his the way they've leaned on him out of the pen, maybe that's why he's starting um, game four. But um, it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. They're both quality guys. Both, I think they're going to be, I think they just pitch really well to this type of a lineup. So um, I, I'm really comfortable right now, you know, going into L.A. And we haven't lost a road game, by the way. Yeah, and, and, and I just looked again, and I think I've touched on it. The, the, there is zero selfishness on this roster. Literally every single starter has been up or in a game, you know, in a bullpen situation, in a reliever setting. Price hasn't come into a game. But he's been up, and he was clearly prepared to do that. And Liz, just quickly, he mentioned uh, at the end of that Astros series that one of the reasons he attributes his success is that when he was warming up for game four, he felt like he found a, a, a tick in his windup and fixed it while he was getting hot. And he reiterated that today on the field in that post-game press conference or, or on-field commentary that I mentioned. Um, but just getting back to the fact that this team just – overall has been selfless um i i've literally heard now that i think about it just over the course of the year i've had like i've heard almost zero discord with you know where someone's hitting the number of at bats even swihart who really you know was completely underutilized in my opinion and really just ate up a roster spot just because they wanted to keep him. he never even said anything except for a little blip back in um I think early May about his role uh, and that came from his agent. And then he came out like immediately that day and said, I, I don't, my, that was my agent's comment. I don't feel that way. This team has been selfless and it's just shown through in this playoff series. And this rotation has just exhibited that more than anything. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And these are all guys, by the way, these are all multi-million dollar, 10 to $15 million per year assets. And the fact that they're willing to go out there and lay it all out on the line. And by the way, Avaldi is an unrestricted free agent. Yep. Uh, these guys, this is, the selflessness is just not lost on me. 
And uh, no offense, if I'm Lavaldi, I'm like, I'll pitch every five days and you can just go screw yourself otherwise because I've had two Tommy John surgeries and I want to go get paid. And what has he done? The exact fucking opposite. And I'll tell you right now, if Avaldi's in a bar that I'm in, he's never paying for another beer. Because that guy has been so selfless, pitched with balls all series. I think he's just been absolutely fantastic, and it's a microcosm of the whole team all year long. Well, well, and honestly, I, that's why it doesn't always work out for teams that just go out and buy a bunch of superstars. Because you put a bunch of egotistical assholes for lack of a better way you know to describe them you know together in a group and everybody's just out for themselves even if on paper you know and and maybe that's part of you know what is happening to the Dodgers right now which is a good thing you know for the Sox obviously but having Manny Machado uh you know in your locker room is a little bit you know that that can sway things you know you've got somebody in there that is just out for himself you know where even though like you said the the Red Sox are the most expensive team in baseball, you know, right now. So they're they definitely have uh, have a lot of money, you know, in there. But nobody nobody's in there just to like for that next big contract. They they just want to go out there and win, and they're willing to do you know whatever it takes to do it. You know, if they're a starter, you know, going in and, and pitching those bullpen bullpen sessions, doing 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 whatever it takes. And uh, and I appreciate that about a team and. Uh, that's probably another reason why, like, I, I I don't feel bad about supporting them, like, at all. Like, I won't apologize for that, uh, you know, to, to anybody who, who thinks, that, you know, because I say that, oh, you're a bandwagon person now or something like that. Uh, no, I can appreciate a team and, and not necessarily be a fan uh, of them. But, uh, but that's definitely something I like about them, too, is nobody's out there, you know, letting their ego, you know, get in front of, you know what's really important, and you know that's one independence. So you're gonna have a Red Sox tattoo by next July, Liz. Ah, oh, Jesus, no. <laughs> With no, the, I Liz. lived in I, I lived in Boston for for like two years, and uh, I had to get back to my sunshine and palm trees, as I say. But uh, it's funny, like uh, whenever uh, thank God my commute to work was not very long, but uh, Boston radio is just atrocious. No offense. And um, I hadn't really found podcasts at that point, so that's my fault. And um, But I used to kind of love listening to Boston sports radio in a lot of ways because the passion is just so strong. And a lot of people like hate on Terry because he's negative, but something I think I've always appreciated about him is that the passion is always there, but you're not afraid to be critical of the team that you love, you know? I feel like a lot of fans get caught up in this all like, oh, we're going all the way every single year, you know, kind of a thing. And then, uh, you know, they can never you, they can never see the faults in, in the players that they like. And uh, but but Terry's not that way. And the way that the uh, Boston radio is, it was always so funny to me, like that the Red Sox could win the World Series, you know, this year. And uh, I bet you the very next day they'll be on there talking about, oh, what they did wrong and what they're going to do better next year to, to get more wins than the 108 or whatever it was that they ended up, you know, having. And uh, some people may find that annoying, but um, but I always appreciated that about, about the market and about the fans. So. Well, you know, Liz, I don't know anyone who could listen to this podcast and say that you're bandwagging for the Red Sox. I mean... You basically admitted to rooting against them all uh, completely along the way. And despite the fact that you, I think, suggested that you're rooting for the Red Sox, um, I think it was more of a hatred for L.A., which, 
you know, if yeah. you're not a Red Sox fan, we can agree on ha- uh, hatred for LA, especially now that LeBron's out there. That just total spineless sack of shit. Um, <laughs> but look to to your to your point. This market is especially tough. I think Terry embodies that. Um, I am not a, a tree hugger. Uh, I'm not like totally optimistic um, all the time. I, I think there's a a certain level of success where you can't just be all Red Sox all the time or no one will listen to you. And so you, you have to see it both ways and you have to see it glass half empty or, or it just becomes unlistenable except for that, that small segment of Boston fans that are just so like obnoxiously positive. So I, I, you know, the fact that you live in Boston, I think has given you a really unique perspective. I, I frankly have really enjoyed listening to you so far tonight. Um, and I think you've given a pretty unique perspective of the city. Um, and obviously Terry's, you know, Terry is the way he is. And I, I, I don't have any problem with that. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm a lot more tamer on the podcast than I am my, my Twitter account. But, um, you know, I just I, I like to look at it from as neutral of a position as I can. And, and if I'm concerned about something, I'm going to mention it. And some some people just can't can't handle that. And, you know, and. That, that's fine. That's fine. But I mean, that's not gonna, that's not gonna, I'm not gonna budge and I'm gonna be stubborn about something. And if I hate someone, I'm gonna be vocal about that too. And, and Jeremy, I mean, you've been with me for the most part with David Price. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are softening up after the night. I get that. And I'm not gonna, that's not a complaint by any no, means. I've, that means we're about been, to win a World I've, Series. But I've been alongside you on David Price. Yeah, and, and Dustin Pedroia. That's another core thing, you know, that <laughs> so many socks, you know, homers. I have not softened. I have not softened on the little leader. The little leader, <laughs> the little at leader all. right? Yeah. So, oh my God! Don't get me started on that guy, Terry. Please. So I think we we agree on some really key core things here. You know that most socks homers are gonna, you know you know, haul out the pitchforks about, but, um, but yeah, and that's what, that's why I think our podcast has an edge on so many others is because they're all the same. They're all homers. They can only look at things one way and, and it's just a one dimensional view of, of Boston sports. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be multi-dimensional and, uh, you know, and we're not always going to be right, but, but we're gonna, you know, at least give people different looks at things, and and uh, so in that in that uh, theme, just before we end tonight, Terry, moving forward. So uh, game three is gonna be uh, Ricky Friday night. Porcello versus Bueller. Um, I have some concern because Bueller is the type. That he has he has absolutely electric stuff. We've talked about it, and I think he can shut down a lineup. I don't think this lineup can be shut down. I think even if Bueller's at his best, he's five or six innings, a quality start, giving up three runs. And and for that reason, I just honestly think this this team is capable of easily sweeping the series. They 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 just beat. Kershaw and Ryu, um, 
And I and I I think Ryu is generally, I mean, this may not be a popular opinion, but I think he's kind of an average lefty. I know he's had like a sub two ERA in the second half of the season, but his stuff just see, to to me doesn't seem to be an uh, electric like Bueller is electric. You're gonna see. I, I just I just think this offense is overpowering, and then with Rich Hill, Rich Hill's 37 years old, um, which is I'm calling him old. He's he's like basically my age. I I just I would be absolutely shocked if this team's performed the way it's performed with the 108 wins, the postseason performances for him to with his 88 mile per hour fastball. And he obviously is best with his off-speed stuff. I'd just be shocked if this, if they these guys shut down this team in those starts. And I don't. I'm not going to say the Dodgers aren't going to win a game because actually I do think they're going to win one of the next two games. Um, but it just seems to me like this team to beat the this Boston Red Sox team, they're you're going to have to score seven runs. And I don't know if anybody can do that. I don't know if the Dodgers can do that. Um, but it seems like it's that type of situation where even. Like tonight, they only got four runs, but it, you know the Dodgers didn't just do enough offensively, and I feel like that's going to be a real big problem moving forward. Um, so that that's how I see the rest of the series going. I do think this game's going to go five or six. I picked the Red Sox in six. I'm, I may have to backtrack off that a little bit because I thought they would split in Boston, but I do think the series goes at least five. Go ahead, Liz. Wait, oh no, I was just going to say. Um... I mean, you already told me, or you already said, since you think it's going to be in six, uh, what do you think the likelihood of, of them possibly going in and, and sweeping? Because I, I I really think you're right. I don't think at this point, as long as, you know, barring any, any, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what I think could change right now to, to slow these guys down. Because they're really, like we've been saying, like all night, just showing up in big spots. You know, be that, uh, you know, be it the bats showing up or, or be it, you know, the, the bullpen just holding it together. Um, I mean, is there a likelihood that they could go in and, and win in four? I think so. so Liz, but what's your what's your honest feeling, like knowing the team, both the way that both of you do? Because I, I certainly don't know them the way that you do. And you seeing them from the regular season to now and how they're performing. And, I mean, Bueller, I've watched a little bit. You know, I saw him. And, I mean, he is he is awesome. And uh, and he's not a rookie, but he might as well be. And uh, I know he's pitched in a lot of big situations. But uh, I, I I don't know. I, I think it, it, it's strange. With, with interleague play, you can just never tell. Like how it's going to be. Like he, uh, they could go. He could come in and uh, you know totally, you know, take the lineup by surprise. And with any other team, I might think that's true, but I think that's going to work to an advantage that they've never seen him before. You know, they'll go through. He'll go through the lineup. It'll look like oh, he's skating through. It'll be great. But then that second time through, they're gonna they're gonna hit him just like they did tonight. Liz, I'm going to defer to Terry, but I'd like to just make my first point, which is, yes, I think you should host the show. <laughs> no, no, absolutely should not. No, no so if you're not. trying to take Terry's job, I think maybe you're, you should slow down because... Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm asking these questions because I honestly don't know. Like, I, I actually can't wait for next year when I can kind of... won't be a clean slate, but I can start from spring training and actually, like, watch all the way through and have something to build on because a lot of times I just feel like oh my god like these guys have been 
watching these this team for so long and they know so much and like I'm just going off of you know what you know what I had seen up until this you know up until I started paying more attention so uh, so I appreciate that uh, but I could so I could never 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 po- politically correct, politically correct response great leading question yes Liz I've already said I think you should be the host of this, <laughs> uh, this podcast. <laughs> Terry, go ahead. Uh, you bat lead off here. I'll, I'll piggyback off off uh, off of what you have to say here. I think the Sox can absolutely sweep. Um, I just feel like the lineup is just really pesky, and they haven't seen much of of Bueller, but he hasn't really pitched to them either. So I just feel like I, I have a lot of confidence in Rick Porcello. Being able to shut down this lineup for five, six, he might even go seven innings. I would not be shocked. And I think Evaldi could probably do the same thing. And at that point, I mean, if you get if you get six or seven innings out of these guys, Cora just has a ton of weapons at his disposal. You know, and from Kelly Brazier, any type of roving starter. You won't see Chris Sale do it, I don't think, but. Um, but these guys are just I, I think I think these guys can do it. I think I just don't think the Dodgers are built very well to beat the Red Sox. They had all they could do to beat the Brewers and they had no rotation whatsoever. And um, Atlanta, I mean that was the biggest cupcake series of the whole playoffs. That was the weakest team that was basically just the product of a bad division. And, and the Dodgers were fortunate enough that they were able to play them. And I think, I think a sweep is, and and we're undefeated on the road, Uh, you know, playing on the road is, is not a problem for this team. So I, I think a sweep is entirely possible. And I, but I do think there's, very little chance that we're going to see another game at Fenway. I really would be surprised if there is a game six. I'll, I'll say that. No, that, right. that the, the only, the only bad thing about that. And I'll be so, I'll have so much anxiety because <laughs> I won't be able to watch on Saturday. If they win, they win on Friday. I'm actually my anniversary uh, is Saturday, and I'll be in Lexington, Kentucky, at a concert uh, at that time. So I'm going to do what I can to at least you know watch the score. So I'll be keeping my fingers crossed for him because a sweep would be epic. Like what a way to end like a historic season, you know, for them and and uh, you know just the way everybody you know on the teams being you know pulling together and and having that uh, you know no ego you know type uh, way of playing. You know I. It would be amazing, you know, to see that. But I would just be really sad if I couldn't witness the win. All I can hope is that they, they, uh, the game goes late, and then I'll be, I'll be either at a bar or back in my hotel by the time, by the time it's over, and I'll be able to see them spraying the, spraying the champagne if, uh, if they do take that win Friday. But Terry, that sounds like a Boston Red Sox fan. I don't. Want to <laughs> no. No, it's, no, it's not my no. it's not my nature to say things like that, but I think I have to say that, uh, Liz. Obviously, I joke. Um, <laughs> back to your excellent leadoff question, like the type of question that a host would ask. Um, I don't think a sweep will happen, but let me just give a little caveat. I have tickets to Game Six, um, which has put me in quite the little predicament here. Um, 
because obviously I would love to go to a World Series game at Fenway Park. I would never trade a game at World Series, uh, Game 6 at Fenway in the World Series for the risk of not winning the World Series. So let me me make that very clear. Like, I'd rather them sweep and guarantee that we're going to win the ship versus, like, going to a game that we may ultimately lose. And, like, that, so my allegiances are totally towards the championship and less towards the personal experience. Now, with that said, this Dodgers team is way too talented to get swept. I'm not saying that five games is out of the question, and I'm not saying that a a sweep is out of the is out of the question. I just don't think they will, because I think they're going to go into the Dodge into Dodger Stadium, and and in one of the next two games, they're going to hit three or four home runs, because that's what they do. That's how they're built to win, and I think they're going to win one game. Now, whether they can do it a second time to get to Fenway and and give me a chance to go to uh, Fenway Park to see them potentially win in Fenway Park, you know, I don't know. I don't think so because I don't think they're going to stop this offense, this Red Sox offense, and I don't think they're going to do what – if they do hit home runs, I don't think it's going to be done consistently enough where they're going to outperform the Boston Red Sox lineup. But uh, this team is too <sighs> – Let's not get hung up in the fact that they only won quote only won quote unquote ninety two games. This team can launch like they're built to hit home runs one through nine or eight I guess in the National League Park. I also think there's a, a situation here where there's going to be a lineup change um, that's going to make a lot of Red Sox fans uncomfortable. Whether it's Betts at second, so JD can play right, or Benintendi in center so that J.D. can play left. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. I think it's going to depend on the Bueller start. I think you're going to see Betts at second, and in the Rich Hill start, I think you're actually going to see J.D. in left where uh, Bradley sits. Um, but again, let's not lose sight of the fact that all of it, this isn't you know, American League versus American League. All of a sudden, we're going to have to switch, and we're going to have to play a National League brand of baseball and I don't think it's so crippling, like, oh, my God, we're not going to be able to win a game in Dodger Stadium. I don't think that's what's going to happen. But let's not lose sight of the fact that all of a sudden we do have to adapt. We're going to take a bat out of the lineup we want in the lineup, and we're going to have to put a pitcher in the lineup where we just haven't had to typically do that because we're an American League team. I think it's a factor. I just don't see a sweep happening for those two reasons. Um, and then I don't think I'm being selfish because I don't – have to go to game six if it means that there's any jeopardy of not winning the championship. But if they the Dodgers are able to win two and we and I because I, I don't think they're gonna win all three. Let's like, you know, let's not think that's gonna happen. But if we go back to Boston up three to two and I just so happen to see them win at Fenway Park, I, I wouldn't hate that either. I don't like I don't think they like spilling alcohol in their own clubhouse. All their stuff's in there. I think they just like doing it, you know, on the road. Uh, let me say one thing, though, to piggyback off of that. I don't usually piggyback. It's just not my thing. But um, just kidding. Um, well, I know how much you love to agree with me, Terry. So I, go ahead. Well, agree with me. Well, I, not so much necessarily agreeing, actually. But I don't think Mookie Betts is going to play second base, at least tomorrow. We're up two games to nothing. I don't think Bradley is real critical in the lineup, even though we're finally facing a righty. I think, I just think Mookie's going to stay out there. JD's been, like I said, the top 
you know, run producer. He'll be in left, Benny in center. And um, I, I would expect that for tomorrow at the very least. And I, this, Liz, just I want to make it very clear that this pains me to say this. <laughs> I agree with Terry. I think that's the way you've dealt with it all year. Whether it's you just want to have, you know, you want to give somebody in the outfield a break. It's always been Ben Benintendi in center. Um, I don't, I'm not so adverse to bets at second base, but it just seems to me like if you want to continue to stay the course and play the way you've played for 162 plus 12 games or whatever it is, that's so clearly the option. And let's not lose sight of the fact, Terry, you and I have talked about this. Bradley had three hits in the ALCS. And they happen to all come with two outs, and they produce nine runs. But he had no other hits in that series. Right. He has had one hit in the World Series. He wasn't great in the Yankees series. He's great defensively. He he's doesn't provide, except for the anomaly in the ALCS, he doesn't provide any plus offensively. It just seems to me to so clearly be the choice to go that way. Um, if they do decide to go bets at second, I think it'll be for four or five innings max, and I think they'll then reverse course. I just don't want that to be J.D. coming out of the lineup because you have to have him in the lineup in the run-producing situations late. It just seems to me like he's got to be in the lineup. I know you're going to give away a little bit defensively, but that's the way it has to be. So, Terry, pains me to say it, but <laughs> I agree with you. Okay. Boo. I'm, I'm glad you said you give up a little bit uh, defensively because I was going to ask you, I mean, do you guys feel as if J.D. is going to be able to cover that ground in uh, Dodger Stadium? That's a huge freaking stadium. Like, and I know each each field is, is roughly the same, but uh, it's interesting how the dimensions, like, pan out. And, uh, I mean, is he going to be able to cover the ground? I mean, will he be able to make, you know, those catches and save those runs and things? Um, I mean, I don't know... I, too much about him admittedly and I'm, I'm sorry about that but I mean why couldn't they put him why wouldn't they put him at first I know in unless he's only played outfield like first seems like a logical place you know that's where they always seem to put big poppy you know whenever they needed him in the lineup uh you know in a in a national league game you know why wouldn't they just do that with JD well, he, Liz, he, that sounds that sounds like a question a host would ask <laughs> and and um, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> Terry, Terry, do you want first crack at this one? Well, I just want to say, I mean, he never has played the infield to my knowledge, and he was an adequate outfielder for three or four years in Detroit. And um, my, my only concern Look, it's, it's, is his ankle from that little tumble he took. But, I mean, he got around the bases fine tonight, and... and um, I, I we're sacrificing a little bit of defense, but uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, look, look, uh, Liz, great question. It's the type of question a really good host would ask. Um, he has said he hasn't played the infield, so, and I know you're a Rays fan, so you know, just um, I didn't remember. You, you may not know that, and, and that's absolutely 100% expected, and and it's fine. But he's just not not going to play the first, first base. Um, Ortiz, by the way, was uh, in the Twins organization by trade a first baseman. So just just a little context there. Um, he is definitely one hundred percent 
a downgrade defensively over any of the Benintendi Bradley Betts outfield. He is. There's no question. Is he so bad that he's like Manny Ramirez, where he could potentially lose uh, you a game? No, he's not. Manny he's Ramirez. not. Well, well, hold on, because that guy was Sorry. a piece of fun. For um, you guys, he was a he was a toxic <laughs> cancer to the Rays. He was horrible. It's yeah. the worst. Oh my god. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Love the haterade. Love it. I could drink that haterade all night. But just as a context for your question, um, he's not Manny. He's not going to dive and cut off a center fielder's throw. He's not going to uh, drop a routine fly ball just because he's kind of you know, he's reaching in his pocket for sunflower seeds. He's not great. He's not going to make diving plays. He's not going to go steal a home run. But he's going to do enough in the first seven innings where I don't think he's going to lose you a game. Whereas on the flip side, he could easily hit that three home run, that 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 you know that swing that produces three runs that actually wins you a game. So I don't expect him to be playing right field in the ninth inning of a one-run game with Kim, uh, Kimbrell on the mound. But I do expect him to play meaningful innings in the outfield and uh, get three at bats or four at bats per game. Um, and, and look, if they can if they can get ahead. Uh, two, three, four runs, and maybe even Kimbrel's not going to be in the game. I would expect him to play all nine innings. That sounds excellent so, so, to me. Something else I just wanted to mention too is you were talking about the uh, the Dodgers being built to hit home runs and everything. Something that I have always thought, you know, home runs are great. Everybody likes to see them. I mean, they're a nice number. Every you know, any you know batter wants that slugging percentage and everything. But at the same time, home runs most of the time don't win games and the way the Red Sox are playing I mean they're playing small ball baseball they're getting people on base they're getting them through the gap you know and and uh the Dodgers just don't play well against that like actually what I hate to see happen with JD in the and I don't think this necessarily will because he has way more heart than Yashiel Puig uh who is just another you know egotistical person in their uh in their locker room or in their clubhouse but um, but I forget even what inning it was. I just saw the highlight on uh, on MLB. But um, where he just lets balls just drop in front of him, he does not try at all. Like maybe it was Vasquez. Like he he made that hit. It went into right, and then he benefited from Puig's laziness and not want Puig could have probably easily caught that ball. But he he just has no hustle. You know, no hustle. No, I, I don't I don't know. But uh, not that JD would do that necessarily. You know, not that he wouldn't have the hustle, just not the ability of the outfielders. You know, of Benintendi, of Betts, you know, of uh, Bradley Jr. You know, out there. Um, you know, I hate to see you know it be a one-run game and have it be something like that. So that was just the reason for uh, for that question. But but I think they're going to win. You know, on small ball hits, sure they're going to get home runs. They're going to be flashy. The Dodger fans are going to cheer. It's going to be you know what it's going to be. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it's 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 singles, it's doubles, you know, that win games. It's walks, it's getting people on base. It's not it's not always home runs. Well said. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. The big thing with with um, Puig is he plays an extremely deep outfield, and there are you look I. I uh, not that I can compare because I played Division three baseball, which is like pathetic to even bring it up compared to what these guys are doing. But I played a deep left field 
because I sucked going over my head to catch fly balls. So I, I, I had to make that step of playing deep because the, the reward of playing shallow was not worth the risk of a ball going over my head because I just never tracked it well. So I, I don't know if Puig is, you know, the, you know, the major league version of my division three self, but that could be a factor where, um, like Johnny Damon, for example, always played a historically shallow center field. And that was because he felt really, really confident going above, you know, uh, you know, tracking a ball over his head. Bradley Jr. obviously has no issue tracking the ball over his head. So a lot of that depends on, you know, a, a specific athlete's ability to track a ball um, that he's got to actually go run after instead of run towards. So I think that's a factor. Uh, obviously, like Vasquez, Vasquez hit a ball to right that dropped in um, in front of Puig that I thought some right fielders may may have made a play on. I thought the um, the JD hit to right that scored two would have been an out with Betts in right field. I just thought that that was a ball that he made no effort to really go get. That's you know so. Terry? Terry said, well, I was going to say, I made the same observation, and, you know, and it dropped, and luckily. But, and even like a Tampa Bay Rays outfield would have been all over that, you know. So, well, I mean, not only that, but he didn't necessarily attack that ball, where um, just picking on the little things one he didn't attack that ball enough to throw the second runner out and i know there were two outs so fine like he's off on the he's off on the contact and and that runner's not going to hesitate around third but pierce was running at first and i watched uh the broadcast and i saw the highlight from the right field cameraman he didn't necessarily have to give up on that to Pierce on third base. He made no effort to cut him down. So, look, look I thought Puig sucked in that whole entire situation. I thought he sucked in the Vasquez base hit. He basically dumped into right. I didn't think he gave a ton of effort tonight. And um, I know he had a, he had a hit uh, and an RBI. But, you know, I think... You know, Liz, to your credit, I think you you highlighted that a different right fielder there may have had a different effect on that whole situation. And I, and I think, frankly, with our team, the Red Sox, that's would have had a different effect on that. I think he would have, one, either caught the ball or, two, been in a position to go throw and make a difference. Puig, in both of the hypo, in both of the situations I've discussed, basically just fielded it and flipped it back into the infield. Yeah, yeah, he's he's extremely lackluster. And uh, before we get too far away from you mentioning Johnny Damon, like I would be remiss, and this is going to make me sound like a Red Sox fan, but one of, one of my favorite movies is Fever. Maybe Pitch, because you are a Red Sox fan. No, no, but but uh, whenever when you said Johnny Damon, all I could think of was that scene where that lady. Uh, one of the season ticket holders goes, Johnny Damon, you got, you got the, no, no. It was one of the actual like fans. I just don't remember her name, but she's like, Johnny Damon, you got the sweetest ass in the league. <laughs> That's all I, I do remember in fever pitch. I know exactly. Uh, what you're talking. Oh man. We watch that movie like all the time, all the time. Not because I'm a Red Sox fan, because I'm a baseball fan. Yeah. And yeah. my husband is base is almost the equivalent to, 
like as far as like the Steelers and the Penguins goes, except for like he he didn't have like a little boy's like bedroom. He didn't have the all the stuff like uh, Jimmy Fallon did. But um, but essentially, my life revolves around those things. In fact, when we're in Kentucky, like our only plans on Sunday, there was no Steeler bar in Lexington, and we're flying out of Louisville anyway. So we're driving back to Louisville, staying the night in Louisville Sunday night just because there's a Steeler bar there, and uh, we're going to go watch with our people. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, that's too bad that you're a Steelers fan. That's all I'll say about that. Hey, I, mar- I married into it, you know. My, does, we, it, uh, does it make I, it right? Does it make no, it right, Liz? I mean, he's got to access some things about me. I got to access some things about him. There's give and take. That's how these things work. So, uh, so I... I I went in with with open arms. They've been nothing but great to me, so I, I can't complain. My my wedding colors were black and yellow. We came out to Renegade oh. the whole nine yards. I was like, I was like, Rough. hey, if this is what if this is what makes you happy, then I'm I'm totally fine with that. So, well, Ugh. we'll uh, <laughs> get this thing wrapped up, I guess. Um, <laughs> Before this becomes a football. Anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah. No, sorry, yeah, I totally won't go into any of that. No, 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 no. It's all good. Um, but, um, we've kind of covered it, you know, what we feel like may or may not happen. I don't think we're coming back to Fenway. Jeremy, you think there's a reasonable chance it could happen? Um, oh, I just think the Dodgers are talented enough to certainly win one. Um, I think there's going to be a game they hit three or four home runs, um, so it just depends on whether they can do it twice, and I don't, it, it, yeah. Honestly, it, Terry, I picked uh, the Sox in six. If I could amend my prediction, I'd say Sox in five. Yeah, that that sounds more likely to me. But but um, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, any uh, any final thoughts, Liz? Uh, Sox in five. I think I think they probably will win one as well. But uh, but I think they're 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 not getting far. Yeah, absolutely. You know, prices one sale. You know, was gritty enough to uh, keep us in the game, so we could win that one. And uh, and uh, yeah, I I think it it ends in L.A. So thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, figure out the uh, the rest of the schedule as we go. So uh, have a good night, Terry, Liz. Thank you, guys. No, thank you guys. I, I probably won't be back, and you know, until uh, whenever there's if you guys do anything in the off season or or perhaps next year, since I'm occupado all weekend. But uh, oh, and it pains me to say it, but uh, go socks. <laughs> I, I don't think it pains her to say that. By the way, <laughs> it, oh, it does. Oh, have a good sure night, guys. Good all night, right, good night, guys. Game two in the book. Socks up two to nothing. As good of a start as uh, as we could hope, and um, like I said in my game ending tweet, it feels an awful like awful lot like two thousand four. So have a good uh, day off tomorrow. I think everybody's happy to probably get some sleep. Although tonight's game did end at a more reasonable time, but. Um, Go to bed whenever you want tomorrow night and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy your morning and afternoon before then. Have a good one.
I'm told. 